Hello and welcome to the Week in Review. I'm Michael Curzon and I'm joined as ever by SD Wicket. Sam, how are you? I think the question should be, uh, how's the weather? Um, well, it's, uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's been a weird 24 hours, Michael. Um, yesterday was uh, nice and sunny and warm, then last night we had thunderstorms. Today we had uh, pouring rain and now it's uh, back to sunny again. I hope, listeners, you, you realise I, I never ask this. Um, wish it didn't happen, but there you are. It's the, it's you ask the, it with your eyes, is, Michael. You ask it with your that eyes. Is our, that is our current predicament. Uh, Luke, how are you? Please no weather talk. Just tell us how you do it. In fact, I don't even think the listeners care about how you are. They just want to just want to hear about the political topic. So I might even skip over that. Now I'll give you a brief sentence. Okay, well, um, yeah, the weather has been uh, the yin and yang oh, today. And, uh, so in the morning, it was very wet oh, yeah. and miserable. I had to put a coat on for the first time in weeks. So now the sun's just trying to peek through the clouds. No doubt, once we finish recording, we'll be in the shorts and out in the sunshine. I think, Michael, I think you, you're you're failing to understand the simple math fact that we all we all we all came through the English school system, and we learned through through that that if someone says stop doing this, you do it twice as much. That is true. That is true. Human nature one oh one. Right. Well, um on the theme of being told to stop doing things, yet it carries on happening. Uh, we've got a, a new virus now that um we've we've all declared how fed up we are with COVID. Uh the monkey pox, which is a great name. Um and also um something that's been in the news quite a lot this week, the past few days there's been a lot of commentary on. We've got a new uh, World Health Organization treaty uh, being discussed, being drafted uh, across the world. So this one is um, not just a, sort of a document outlining how countries should respond, but it, it reports are suggesting it could be something that countries sign into, um, which dictates essentially their pandemic responses in the, in the wake of future outbreaks. Um, so that's... Uh, Clearly, we thought that sceptics had, to an extent, been vindicated at the end of um, at the end of COVID and lockdowns. But now there's people like I think it's Matt Ridley saying that this would essentially massively play into the hands of China um, in all future pandemic responses. That every lesson we tried to learn um, would be overturned. What do you think about this? It's something we've, we've said before, recording that we're actually going to probably dedicate next week's episode to it completely once we've had a chance to read it more. But just a quick few minute uh, thoughts on on this new treaty that's being discussed. Well, it, it's still um, an, an emerging story, obviously. Um, mm. But by the by the looks of it, it does seem like this treaty would give um, the sort of unelected internationalist aristocracy in you know various institutions uh, the power to supersede national governments which is you know um which is probably at the very center of a lot of our worldviews around things like brexit for instance where you know a lot of that was around national sovereignty um this would be losing that on steroids um the um the the leader of the who whose name i always try to pronounce uh dr tedros um I won't even try and pronounce his surname, but he was a, a former uh, leader of the uh, Ethiopian Communist Party, the who over the last few years has shown to be completely in the lap of the uh, the CCP, given its um, complete failure to blame uh, China for the outbreak of the virus, as well as its refusal to even recognise Taiwan as a, as a country. Um, China has been, you know, the 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 blueprint model for 
tyrannical responses to COVID. We're, seeing, we're, we're all seeing it today in 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 Shanghai. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, if if it is what we think it is, then uh, then yeah, some very dark days may be ahead, especially now that there's a supposedly a new virus out. Mm. Well, it seems to me as that's sort of passion what you said, Wicket. It's just a natural conclusion of a liberal technocracy. It's just power going up and up the chain of command and far abroad at a nation's borders into these you know, unelected bureaucratic decks somewhere in Switzerland where um, the virus actually spread. That's where the virus is and ski resorts are spread throughout Europe. And um, of course, now that if the WHO were to be given these supranational powers, they would probably want diseases to spread rapidly around the globe they would look for for that excuse so they they can acquire more power over over nation states and for themselves Hmm. and as you rightly said um i mean if if you your politicians and your bureaucrats are tied to any communist party or whatsoever it's just hungry for power at the end Hmm. of the day it doesn't care about laws or customs or regulations it's Hmm. after the iron fist Hmm. and and that's things that so it's um it's kind of driven by this ideology of you know uh, technocratic globalism, which views, you know, it it gives uh, internationalist institutions um, the right to use like technology and algorithms um, to sort of almost play with reality in which um, national borders, customs and traditions are just simply in the way. And that's a very fashionable view among elites, you know, um, everything from the UN to the WHO to the WEF to various, you know, um, Individuals like like um like the Blair Institute, um it's 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 the fashionable politics of the elite, um and you know it it doesn't care what you know um what the average people and countries feel about it because as far as the, they're concerned this is their birthright. Mm. Yeah. In terms of the UK response to this so far, um which is it's never something to um sort of cheer you up. It's it's never a confirmation that things don't worry they'll be all right, but still worth noting that so at the very least we can try and uh, hold them to account later on mm. um Sajid Javid has actually responded after being asked a question um on what the UK's position is on this or the government's position I should say um and they said that it supports a new inter- international instrument to strengthen uh, the prevention and preparedness around pandemics it does he does suggest um that it, well he says he's very clear actually that we would not sign into any instrument um that would compromise the uk's sovereignty um so we'll have to see about that i mean i've been writing yeah. about protocol all week and we can, I, we can <laughs> I for one is definitely take their word for it yeah. yes yeah me this too. time i bet they're telling the truth yeah. <laughs> all yes, the times they time. didn't which was every time they'll come back this time <laughs> yeah they're not lying about ukraine so we're getting off topic here we are going off topic but anyway it's worth noting um just so if nothing else as we say we can bring it up again in the future um but that i think we'll leave it there for now that's that's the rough outline of what's been discussed this week uh, but i think next week this isn't a story that's going away um, I think there's going to be a lot of reaction to it. Uh, there's been some good videos already. There's a, a good piece today by Frederick Edward in uh, TCW uh, Defending Freedom on on um, on Russell Brand, who he says, I'm a convert to now, um, which is a, a good read. Um, and I think this is this is one of the points around it where it's, it's now people like Russell Brand um, who are sort of questioning the authority around this, questioning why it is 
that the World Health Organization should be coming up with these sort of policies that go above national, uh, supposedly democratically elected governments. Um, but the next topic is equally big. We've talked about it quite a lot in, um, in some of the recent uh, episodes of the Week in Review, and we've also had a few articles on it. And it's the Musk bid with Twitter, uh, but also Musk's personality generally now, because, of course, as soon as he tries to step on the toes of the, uh, the establishment, we, we hear all these things all of a sudden that, oh, didn't you know that this guy was actually uh, a this, a that and the other, all the, all the terrible things which are quite conveniently placed, all the more conveniently placed because these um, some accusations have been made, not just in light of the Twitter bid, but even specifically in light of him saying that the, uh, the Democratic Party in, in America has become too extreme on the left and that perhaps it might be better to go for the Republicans, despite not sp supporting them, but thinking they're the, 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 the best of a bad bunch is pretty much what he said. Um, so does one of you want to outline some of the some of the claims we've seen about Elon Musk this week? Well, I think the, the first thing to go into is the fact that Tesla has been booted from the uh, S&P 500 index, which um, supposedly ranks companies on their um, sort of uh, moral behavior almost. And it's important to note that right now at the top of the index is Apple. Who utilize, who, who utilize child labor, both in their factories and also in uh, various lithium and cobalt mines in, in the third world. Um, yeah. Next down is Microsoft, whose owner is, um, you know, part of the uh, prior mentioned technocratic uh, cabal. Um, Jeff Bezos, whose uh, who's, who's staff uh, are worked to the bone for various money while he's gallivanting in space. Um, Google, who, um, have, you know, who have basically um, used their platform on YouTube, which was initially designed to give anyone to basically level the playing field of online content, which has now basically been turned into another platform for the mainstream media to, you know, monopolize. Including um, the censorship of Bloomberg magazine, I might add, which is partly why this podcast <laughs> yeah. on our website rather than on YouTube. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, Berkshire Hathaway, uh, a, a large investment firm, um, Meta, who, who own Facebook and Instagram, who, which has you know created some of the most toxic and destabilizing platforms in the in the entire social media space. Um, Pfizer is is in the top twenty. You know, these these are the sorts of companies that are supposed supposedly make the grade. Which, right. which, which again just proves once again what we already know and what we've been saying for months on this show, which is that um, it doesn't matter what you actually do. Um, what matters is if you are a friend or an enemy to the regime. Yeah. So it's quite funny, isn't it? Because Elon Musk, um, so Tesla itself is the, is the company that's behind electric cars. He always says that the main metric of, of how he views how successful Tesla has been is not whether or not it, it makes good electric cars, because he says that any a company would eventually do that. What he says is it, it, it all depends on how quickly or how much more quickly Tesla managed to make electric cars uh, sort of commercially viable for everybody. Um, this is right up their street, isn't it? This is what the, um, the, the elites go mental about. It's something which I actually was questioning of at first. I still might be. I'm not sure, actually. I've uh, still, still got my doubts um, about... I mean, bear, in mind, bear in mind, they've basically expressed an interest in having only electric cars on the road by a, a certain point in the future. Yeah. You would have and only by them. law. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, which probably means no cars for many people, but we'll, we'll see about that. Um, which I must say, actually, I would be 
quite pleased to see, but they are a, set, a separate point. But yeah, you, you'd have thought that a company like this would be uh, sort of very popular among these types, um, which begs the question, why has this happened? Especially now, the timing of all this. Is it simply because of Elon Musk's bid to take over Twitter? And perhaps more specifically, in light of his commentary around politics, which um, has largely been critical of the left, uh, it's quite, I think that's fair enough to say. He, he said that he's critical of everybody, but still there has been a slant that can't really be avoided. Um, and also his, his sort of partial endorsement of the Republican Party, which has turned a lot of heads. That explains all, doesn't it? Elon Musk has gone rogue. And however, you know, or Invoke, his electric cars are, is, is never going to be on any uh, positive statistic for them again. I, I mean, Sam just well just spouted off the list which kind of reveals oh it, it, it's like eurovision it, it's all about politics at the end of the day isn't it i mean i mean how does pfizer get on a list of the top million ethical companies when it's the most fine medical corporation in history right yeah and that's, that's the game we're playing here it's friend or um, foe that's yeah. it and and um i'd like to bring up uh, another point because obviously very recently there's also been an accusation of uh sexual misconduct against elon musk which is um so his his reply on Twitter is 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 quite interesting. It's um the attacks against me should be viewed through a political lens. This is their standard playbook, but nothing will, will deter me from fighting for a good future and your right to free speech. Right, interesting response. I mean, obviously, you have to be a, a bit cautious with things like this because they're of such serious nature. But yeah, there, there is you do at least have to acknowledge that argument, which the timing is is. Uh, perfect um especially given not just as we say the the twitter bid but also the recent comments that have been made about politics specifically in america mm. um so yes it, it is it does certainly seem like the sort of playbook response it's kind of what happened with the election of donald trump um where just before he was elected there were a number of accusations of rape and i, I remember sort of in the in the weeks coming up to the election you'd have a new accusation almost every day um, and they were all slowly dropped, or quickly dropped, I should say, actually, as the election finished. Some said because he's a, a higher authority figure now, he's the president, you don't, you don't want to be suing the president or pursuing legal action against him. That's they impeached him twice. Yeah, uh, well, there, there is that. Um, I'm only repeating the argument. That, and others, of course, he said, well, maybe it was baloney all along. Um, so, yes, it, it is certainly playbook um, in fact, someone did say you're you're getting the Donald Trump treatment, which I thought was quite apt um, mm. and, and undeniable as well. That's mm. what they did to Brett Kavanaugh on on the U.S. Supreme Court. Yeah, and as soon as they failed, it suddenly transpired that most of the accusations were false. Yeah, or unprovable to begin with. Yeah. It also should be not noting that also on the uh, S and B index is uh, is six oil companies as well. Nice, even better. Just just on what we were just talking about with these accusations, they, as with Trump and with Kavanaugh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong on Kavanaugh because I don't know it as well, but it seems they just disappeared, these accusations afterwards. It, it just stopped. Yeah, it's it's because they stopped. didn't work. Hmm. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. That's true, but what I'm saying is, why wasn't that a story in itself? If, if it was sort of revealed that um, this were merely brought up because of political timing, surely that's an interesting story. Surely that's something that journalists should be picking up on and saying well hang on a minute why did you raise this days before an election and drop it days afterwards did he have some form of motive 
Um, but they're just questions that aren't asked. But it's but, the way the media works, isn't it? Where you have a big topic, and as soon as uh, it, it sort of failed to work, you move on, you pretend it never happened, and you go on to the next story. The, the, the problem there, Michael, is is that that relies on the assumption that the press is in any way independent of the state. Well, yes, there is that. Um, well, the press are holding the murder weapon, aren't they? They're fanning the flames of these false accusations and they desperately want their political enemies like Kavanaugh, like Trump, not to win. Hmm. When that fails, they can't then just turn around and say, hey, we were wrong. I mean, it's like the media apologising for fanning the flames of the Iraq war. Yeah. Hmm. Well, there's someone we've got to mention, by the way. Um, uh, I've forgotten his name. Bush. George Bush. Bush's Gabia. It's, it's pretty apt that I should forget forget the name of a senior figure as I'm talking about George Bush, who uh, who this week criticised, condemned the uh, the brutal, the unforgivable, the the unright, completely wrong invasion of Iraq. Um, <laughs> I was so pleased to see him finally come out and admit just what a what a terrible mistake it was and and how wrong he was. Um, I thought that was great. A lot of people have said it. The best speech he's ever made is never going to improve from that. I think they're right. Um, it, it's almost like a small victory when he said that. It felt like a small moment of justice. Think, mm. ah, finally, um, we've been saying it for ages, but now you've even said it, and you weren't. You can't unsay it, which is the uh, <laughs> his problem now. Mm. It's up there with him. Uh, him uh, ballsing up the extremely uh, simple axiom. Um, Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Which it took him about ten minutes to say, and even then, even then, got it wrong. <laughs> oh, but, but, but Bush is just notorious with these sorts of gaffes. But I think the best one is um, the terrorists keep finding ways on how to hurt the American people, and they will never give up on that. And neither will we. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! It's, it's not direct, but there's something along that. Yeah. God. Well, since since you know the the truth were revealed on that subject, then why don't we uh, another U.S. story for this week, um, which one of you brought up before we started talking was the proposals for a Ministry of Truth, hmm. which sounds very Orwellian, doesn't it? That that gets overused the Orwellian thing, but they they're giving it to us. They're putting it on a plate. We can't help it. Um, stop using these ridiculous names and pursuing such ridiculous ideas, um, and we'll we'll stop talking about it until. <laughs> Full name was the disinformation governance board, which yes, yeah, so three three words, you know. Mm. Yeah, so um, it's it 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 it, uh, it continues a a burgeoning tradition of the uh, Biden presidency, which is to use the um, deepest arms of the American state against the American people. Um, right. It's not too dissimilar from um, back when uh, various parents around the U.S. were standing up to school boards to protest what the kids were being taught were then being referred to the FBI and placed yeah. on uh, anti-terror watch lists. Um, this, um, again, it's, it's, it's convenient uh, how it coincides with uh, Musk's attempted uh, Tigger or Twitter with the with an aim to make the platform a, um, a bastion of free speech. The yep. Department of Homeland Security, which again is not, um, not exactly dripped out in honour, um, yes, was proposing to uh, put together this. Um, what's the disinformation? A disinformation governance board. Right, which again is is it's a very it's a very American thing, which is to, which is to put something so ominous in such a sort of an asinine and, and sort of unassuming name. Um, 
Yeah, it's um, it was it was headed up by uh, by some theatre geek who um, actually, you know, um, to sort of pop on the table hat for a second, was actually quite involved in uh, Zelensky's campaign to run for president in in the Ukraine. Um, it's um, yeah, and and the so the 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 the, the, the Ministry of Truth has has fallen flat um, as they're claiming under the weight of uh, various far right attacks online, which is just code for people's natural inclination to not want to be essentially spied on and censored by their own government. Mm. Yeah, a bit be... like for that for, <laughs> if you're an American. <laughs> I mean, there's the same. I mean, the department, well, American, the NSA. I'm not sure if it was under the Department of Homeland Security, but I think it was. But this scandal, of course, blew up ten years ago about the National Security Agency spying on American citizens, and um, its officials were brought in front of the Senate. Mm. And um, so yeah, you can imagine that strict surveillance initiated under the war on terror combined with the press and information and how it affects you know the future julian assange of the world where rather than you know breaking into an embassy to, to pluck them out they could just say oh no that's disinformation hmm. mm. you're, 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 a you're a traitor to the star spangled banner and etc etc russian disinformation uh, might, might i add yes mm. well is there any of a kind <laughs> um apparently not no, so that that flop that one of you said before we, we talk for now. Um, so that's that's a topic we'll we'll likely be returning to. Um, another topic we we talked about last week, which we we ought to return to now, is uh, well the UK, um, it, its makeup generally, its its existence. I suppose we've got the um, we've got the protocol talks continuing to falter. Um, the the UK government. As before, it said for, for months and months, we'll trigger Article 16. It's now proposing to put in a new law that will sort of unilaterally um, rip up segments of the protocol. Uh, within weeks is what they've said. So code for the fact that it's probably not gonna happen um, and that we will end up eventually folding on something. Um, so Northern Ireland is uh, the question, there's a question mark, I should say, sorry, of a Northern Ireland's existence within the United Kingdom. Uh, Scotland, of course, continues uh, to agitate for independence. Um, all these movements springing up. And Peter Hitchens wrote a column this week in which he said, well, you know what? All these countries are trying to leave us. Why don't we leave the UK ourselves and, and embrace a golden future, as the title said of his piece, uh, become an independent England? We, I, I thought at first it was... Well, not amusing, but I was sort of surprised by it because for a long time, uh, from what I remember at least, Hitchens would always respond that he was British uh, when asked what he identifies as it, you know, English or British, he'd say British first. I, as far as I remember, um, I, I might be wrong on that, um, but now says he feels he feels excited pangs when, when someone mentions the word English and when they talk about England's history. Um, so what do we what do we make of this idea then? England come out of the UK before they leave us? Well, in the scheme of things, it is the norm. I mean, the the union is what four hundred years old? No, three hundred years old, give or take. Seventeen oh seven, right? Um, yeah. And prior to that, you have eight hundred years of English history. Um, it is the norm. Um, I think what's um, interesting about it is that the, I was saying before the recording that if say if tomorrow we decided just to sort of you know cut it, all, cut it all off and we all go our separate ways we would have the most longevity 
um, for a number of reasons. One, we have the only really wealthy urban area in the entire in the entire union. Um, and two, we're basically bankrolling the, the other three's welfare states, especially Scotland's, you know. Um, so in a sense, I, I kind of think um, while I would still like to see the union together, I think it, it would be more fortuitous for us than it would be for the others. Yeah, precisely that. And, and I think if you were to stick the subject of English secession onto a, a ballot paper and a, and a referendum in England, the option to see would win by a landslide because the PR campaign is going to be we're sending this much money to Scotland, this much money to Wales, this much money to Northern Ireland. They're ungrateful over it. Let's it's like it's like the, the Brexit argument. Let's you know take back more control. And the, 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 uh, given how federalist the UK is at this point, it's also easy to see it, it as a technical in technicality as well. You yeah. know, Scotland has its own parliament, Wales has its own assembly. Hmm. And it started started under Blair, just the small fracturing of the UK piece by piece. Yeah, I've got to say though, I I read it and was um, and was well not disappointed, but I suppose slightly um, there's a slight dip in the heart to to get a bit emotional about it because you think, well, this is who we are though. We're part of the UK. It's 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 who we are as people. It's our culture. It's a, a large important part of our history. Um, but then I suppose that's the problem we always have or often have is being too um, too reliant on emotion as conservatives. They, they always hear that conservatism is about things that you hate or things that you're against. But I think it's far the opposite. Yeah, it's, 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 it's about it's about what you love and keeping it safe from harm. Yeah, just, I, I think I think devolution has just delivered. A fatal blow to the union. I do. I, I do believe that. You know, it was designed to um, placate um, the separatist sentiments throughout, throughout the UK. What it's done is make them worse. It's exacerbated them to the point where now you have essentially uh, less so in Wales, but more particularly in Scotland, you have essentially an adversarial welfare state which just relies on. On English tax money for its, you know, to 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 be propped up, um, it, it's it's become so adversarial now that you essentially have um, complete anti-English sentiment within within places like like to the point where whenever I've gone up there, it's actually been quite uncomfortable. Yeah, you know? this is true, and I suppose what I was saying before about relying too much on emotion, that being one of our problems. If you to look at this logically. Can you imagine that by the end of our lifetimes, so what, in another 50, 60 years, let's say, that the UK will still exist as it does today, that Scotland will still be there, that Northern Ireland will still be there. Even mm. Wales, as you say, Wales is less of a topic in this, uh, given, given its situation, but who knows, maybe even Wales as well. Um, I think there will be a long drawn out process through our lifetime of these countries leaving eventually, with it being quite bitter afterwards, perhaps it would be easy to easier to say. Hitchin said on on GB News, I think. Can you imagine the faces in in uh, Nicola Sturgeon's office if she were to open a letter which said, "There you are, then on your way. You've got your independence. You've won. That's fine." Um, he he actually said that they probably wouldn't be very happy because these people like campaigning uh, for independence, but would be uh, too incompetent to actually manage to carry it through. Um, well, Nicola Sturgeon doesn't just want independence; she wants demands. 
from um, Westminster. Of course, she still wants the UK to front Scottish pensions even after independence. Wants to keep UK assets, dismantle Trident without consulting us. Mm. Yeah. I'd, love to, I'd love to see the look on her face, pay good money for it. Yes, yeah, so that would be good. And it would, of course, be less internationally embarrassing for England itself for us to leave than for them to leave against our will. Also, also bear in mind, Scottish independence relies almost entirely on being um, accepted into the European Union, but that would require unanimous votes. And I don't think that the Spanish or the, or um, who have, you know, pretty serious separatist movements within, within Spain would want to allow that precedent to be set. Well, it's, no. it's, not, it's not just Spain as well. There's France, which has, uh, of course, occur and other uh, overseas territories. There's Italy, which is always at risk of breaking apart. Mm. So, and even in Germany, there, there are still some independence movements in Bavaria, which is the wealthiest region. Mm. And of course, don't get me started on Belgium. So, yeah, I, I don't. Scott, Scots have numerous pipe dreams. I think being admitted into the European Union after seceding from the, the major power is just the worst one of all. Yeah, I have to say, on the emotional point of the argument, Hitchens did win me round slightly when responding to a Welsh independence page who said, well, what currency are you going to use? And he joked, well, we've not had the committee meetings yet, but why don't we return to the gold sovereign divided into 20 shillings of 12 pence each? Might work well, he said. So I, I must say, when that obviously it wouldn't happen, especially if we were led by Boris Johnson. This country is not that that mathematically literate to understand shillings anymore <laughs> no. i barely understand pounds and pence that's true that's true but it, it did uh that that image in itself did make me think well actually i would i would quite like that england i think i could get on just fine um i probably struggle myself actually for a while but there you are um i think that's that's one of the things we do to ourselves is try and make life more difficult for some something that you view as being better um but yes, I think that uh, that wraps it up quite nicely. It's it's an interesting debate. I was quite surprised to read it, um, actually. But I don't know. I think I the, I think it's um, certainly a strong response to those who claim Hitchens is all about doomerism and never about offering a form of solution. And it sort of surprised me to read this and think, hang on a minute, this is ridiculous. Stop, stop trying to suggest action. I don't like it. But um, maybe it's right. Um, but there you are. It'll be interesting to see what uh, the the more the more broad response is to the piece. Um, but thanks for listening. We hope that we've uh, we've made you hungry for next week's episode, which will be a return to the sort of pandemic discussions that we've had over the past couple of years. Um, hope you've enjoyed listening today, and have a good weekend. Cheers. <laughs>